You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts Nation. Welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. I'm joined today by Mike Chappell. And today we're going to discuss the Colts and their disappointing loss to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. We're going to recap the game. We'll discuss takeaways from this game and really through the first four weeks of the season overall. We'll also check in on the AFC South as, believe it or not, the division uh, is still within the Colts' grasp here. But before we get started, Mike, how's the day treating you? It's sunny and cool, so it's a great day. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) It's just short and sweet and to the point from Mike. All right. So at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday, the 1-1-1 Colts host the 1-2 Titans in a Week 4 AFC South battle. The Titans coming into the game had beat the Colts three consecutive times. Shaquille Leonard made his return for this one after missing the first three weeks, recovering from back surgery, and a little bit of surprise that we saw in the first drive of the game. Second-year lineman Will Fries got the start at right guard over Danny Pinter, who had struggled to begin the year. So Colts start out with the ball, and they somehow manage a 10-play drive that gained a net of just eight yards. And this is how they did it. Taylor had a nice 10-yard run. Matt Ryan find Kylan Granson for 14 yards on third and 12. Granson really had a nice game in this one. But after a first and 10 at the Titans' 45-yard line, Ryan threw two incompletions, a false start on third down, backs him up even more. And then on third and 15, Danico Autry gets right past Quentin Nelson, sacks Ryan. Ryan, of course, fumbles the ball. Recovered by the Titans at the 32-yard line. Ryan really making the Colts regret not re-signing him. Former member of the Indianapolis defense there, now getting to the current member of the Colts offense. Colts trying to hold Tennessee to a field goal after the turnover. We have a third and six. Ryan Tannehill loots the pressure and scrambles for first down. Next, Derrick Henry scoots for 12 yards. And on the play after that, Tannehill finds a wide-open Robert Woods for a seven-yard touchdown in the back, back of the end zone. Just like that, seven to nothing, Titans. Indy's offense continues their slow start. Taylor's first down run gains just two yards. Matt Ryan almost picked off on second down, uh, trying to just dump the ball off to Taylor and then can't connect with Mike Strawn on third and eight. Colts go three and out on their second possession of the game. Titans get the ball at their 25, and they just made it look easy on this drive. After Tannehill find Austin Cooper, or Austin Hooper, I should say, excuse me, for four yards on third and three, Henry gains 22 yards on the screen. Then Tannehill completes a 23-yard pass to his tight end, Henry finishes things off with a 19-yard touchdown run, bounced it outside on Brandon on the cornerback, Brandon Faison, and had him grasping for air. Titans up two touchdowns. It's still just the first quarter, 14 to nothing. And Mike, this game is feeling a lot like the start of the Jacksonville game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and we'll get into it. And it gets worse. It's it's a collective uh, slow start. The running game's not going. The offense isn't getting things going. They're not continuing drives, turning the ball over. And the defense, it's, you want to give the defense some credit because, you know, a couple of these turnovers have given, has given the opponents short fields. But that's what your job is. 
if not to hold them out of the end zone, then at least to hold them to, to field goals. That's not happening. Yeah, and Colts with the ball now, down 14. They need to get something going on offense. The drive starts with a 19-yard completion to Kylan Granson. A couple plays later, Ryan finds Michael Pittman Jr., who drags a defensive back for 10 yards. Then a 20-yard pass to Paris Campbell, an 18-yard pass to Mo Alleycox gets the Colts to the Titans' six-yard line. First down, Taylor gains just two yards on a run up the middle. Second down, Ryan rolls to his left, hits Pittman, but he ran out of room at the sideline, can't get the feet down, incomplete. Third and goal now from the four. Ryan goes to Pittman in again in the end zone, but on the second of consecutive play, Pittman fails to keep his feet in bounds. Colts settle for the field goal to make it 14-3. Both would have been tough catches, but Mike, for a wide receiver one, if that's what Pittman wants to be considered, he has to find a way to keep his feet in bounds on at least one of those. On the, on the second one, but I thought on, on each one of them, Ryan waited just a little bit long, and it let, it let the route develop too close to the sideline. But you're right. I mean, we see every game every week that somebody's making those kind of plays. And uh, I, I, th- I thought this was more a case of the quarterback not giving him enough room on the sideline to make the catch. But, you know, that that's what the top receiver does. He finds a way, and in this case, it cost him four points. It did, and not to mention an interesting call to run a rollout to the quarterback's left uh, when that's the short side of the field. It, you know, Not surprising to run out of room when you call a play like that. But anyway, it's 14-3 to now. The Colts get their first points on the board. Titans' drive starts at their 33 after a 37-yard kick return. On second and 10, Tannehill finds Woods for 10 yards. A roughing the passer penalty on Zaire Franklin adds another 15 on top of that. The referee said he hit Tannehill high towards the head or neck area, gets the flag for that one. And just like that, Tennessee's in Indianapolis territory. The Titans would reach the Colts' 26-yard line, but on third and seven, Tannehill's pass for the rookie Traylon Burke sails over his head, and the Titans would knock through a field goal to make it 17 to three, still two touchdowns is a deficit for the Colts. A little over nine minutes left in the half, and the Colts trying to put together another scoring drive. But instead, on the very first play, Ryan's pass is batted at the line of scrimmage, intercepted by the defensive tackle, Tayer Tart. Just a great individual play by Tart, who I believe tipped it up in the air and then came down with it himself. Uh, you know, there were a lot of things that the Colts did wrong on this one. This was just kind of a tough break for Ryan in the offense. That tells you how things are going. It, it, it just wasn't a deflected pass. It was, it was a great play, deflected pass, and then the same guy intercepts it. And it's funny, uh, Ryan was asked after the game, you know, what can you do to avoid something like that? And he sort of joked. He said, I'll be at the complex, you know, Monday and Tuesday. Let me know, let me know if you figure it out. That's one of those that's just – the football gods are saying not today because generally those are simply tip passes that fall to the ground. And this one just falls right in the guy's gut. Right in the gut's gut. Second turnover of the first half for Indianapolis and the Titans take over at Indy's 28-yard line. Uh, first, right out the gate here for this next drive for the Titans, Grover Stewart is called for defensive holding on first down to put the ball at the 22. 
Then Derrick Henry bursts up the middle, running through tackles and into the end zone. But a holding call on the rookie Burks brings it back. It's now a first and two at the 14. Three plays later, the Titans have second and seven at the eight. Ryan steps up in the pocket and zips it to his tight end, Okonkwo, for the touchdown. And to make matters worse, Leonard is injured on the play. Shaq had a nasty collision with Sire Franklin, his own man, and was ruled out for the game. Uh, the extra point was good after the Titans' touchdown, making it 24-7. to Things have gotten ugly in Lucas Oil Stadium. And, Mike, that's 14 first-half points off of turnovers for the Titans. And that's 42 in the season. That's just crazy. 42 points. Again, this is the offense putting the team in bad situations, but at some level the defense has to, like I said earlier, they have to sort of limit the damage. But giving up 42 points simply on turnovers, uh, the one stat that really kind of jumps out at you this season, they've trailed by 17 points against all three division teams. You just you just can't continually do that. This is like the Mr. Obvious segment because everything has to happen right. You can't have any mess-ups later on. But until this team can figure out the first quarter, first half, lull that they go, both sides of the ball, it's going to be like this. And it's it's just maddening. And I tell you, the fans let them know it. The, the fans were mad as hell, and they, and they wanted people to know about it. So – uh, the paying customers are letting everybody know they're they're not happy with the product right now. Yeah, really. At, at this point, just making the Kansas City win look more and more like a miracle. You said the Colts have uh, 42 points off of turnovers. They've scored 57 the entire season. That, that which is um, which is just just mind boggling. There. So the Colts now down 24 to three. It's the second half, and just when you think they're dead, the offense comes alive behind Matt Ryan's right arm. Seven-yard pass to Pittman. 18 yards to Paris Campbell on a third and two. 14 yards to Pittman again. 33 yards to the tight end Jelani Woods on the catch and run. Puts the Colts at the five-yard line. On first and goal, a holding call on Matt Pryor backs the Colts up, and you're thinking, oh boy, here we go again, more issues in the red zone but on second down from the 14 ryan hits mo alley cox on a crosser cox breaks a tackle and falls into the end zone the colts make it a two-score game 24 to 10 about two minutes remaining in the half the colts or i'm sorry the titans start their drive at their 26 yard line and tennessee has all three timeouts Tannehill and company methodically working their way down the field Tennessee uses their last timeout after a six-yard pass to Burks gives them a third and one at Indy's 25-yard line, and there's 19 seconds left. All right, third down now. Colts pressure Tannehill, who steps up through the pocket and is eventually sacked by Grover Stewart, uh, stopping him short of the first down. Clock keeps ticking. Titans aren't able to get another playoff, and the Colts go into the locker room down 14 but they have some momentum. That was a big stop on Tennessee, who kind of mismanaged their way out of a field goal attempt. Uh, the Colts finally got a touchdown on their last offensive drive, and they at least have something to feel good about going into the half. All right, 
Titans get the ball to start the second half. On second down, Titans try play action, but Dio Odangbo is not fooled. He brings down Tannehill for a sack. It's a 12-yard loss, and the Titans are unable to recover. On third down, the Colts force their first three and out of the ball game. Indy's offense now is looking to capitalize, and their drive starts at the 33-yard line. On third and three, Ryan throws a back shoulder fade to the rookie, Alec Pierce, who makes a great adjustment on the football and a nice catch in the Lucas Oil sunlight. A gain of 25, and the Colts are in Titans territory. Too many men on the field for Tennessee gives the Colts a first and five. Then Jonathan Taylor breaks the line of scrimmage, uh, breaks a tackle at the line of scrimmage, and wiggles his way for 11 yards, his longest run of the day. A couple plays later, Matt Ryan would connect with Kylan Granson for nine yards on second and eight, and the Colts now have a first and goal with eight yards to go before pay dirt. Now Taylor is stuffed for a one-yard gain on first down. Second down, Colts go play action, and Ryan finds Big Mo for his second touchdown of the day, and the Colts pull within seven, 24-17 ball game. Colts lock down the run on defense and force a second straight three and out to begin the half. And all the momentum is now on the Colts side. After three consecutive defensive stops and two straight touchdown drives going back to the end of the second quarter. Ryan with the ball and he begins a drive with a 20-yard completion to Kylan Granson, uh, who made a terrific diving catch at the sideline. Granson with really the best game of his career. Three plays later. Colts face a third and four. Matt Ryan hits Ashton Doolin for his first catch and a first down. After struggles on first and second down, Doolin comes up big again on third down with a 10-yard catch, once again moving the chains. All right, we have a third and nine now. Colts at the Titans' 34-yard line. Um, let's see. T Titans at Colts, sorry. Colts at the 34 after that first down. JT... Run on first down, loses two yards. Second down, Ryan is hit as he steps up in the pocket and, of course, fumbles the ball. Matt, Ry Matt Pryor, thankfully, is able to dive on it. It's a loss of 13. Third and 25, Colts get some yardage back on a 10-yard completion to Mo Alley-Cox. The ball is at Tennessee's 39-yard line at this point, and the Colts opt to punt rather than go for an extremely long field goal. And it's a terrible punt. Matt Hawk hacks it out of bounds at the 20. Just a 19-yard punt. And the Titans take over. Fourth quarter now. The Colts defense is trying to stay hot. They stuff Henry for a three-yard loss on first down. Second down, Tannehill completes a pass to Burks for eight yards. But Burks is injured on the play. For some reason, stays in the game. Hobbles back up to the line of scrimmage and would limp Throughout his route on third down, it's a third and five. Tannehill eludes a sack, tries to run for the first down, but he's stopped short by Zaire Franklin. A third straight three and out forced by the Colts defense. Mike, whatever adjustments Gus Bradley made uh, at halftime worked in the second half. Yeah, we asked the players that. And they, they just insist there weren't serious adjustments. It was just what Zaire Franklin said was settling down and playing the way the, the, the Colts can play. And, and for the most part this year, the defense has played winnable, winning football. Uh, so they, they, they just kept making the stops on third down. They didn't let Henry, for the most part, 
go crazy second half after that strong first half. I think the second half what the Titans had was at 28 plays on 20 or 28 yards on 20 plays. So they just made plays, and this was without Shaq, and this was without uh, uh, DeForest Buckner being much of a force. You know, he had that elbow injury. So they just they kept the game winnable, and that's what you want. Trouble is the offense couldn't follow through. Yeah, offense uh, offense had a tough time. Matt Ryan in Indianapolis looking to tie things up after the defense got their stop. First play of the drive, Ryan hits Ali Cox, who bullies his way for 34 yards. Really a career day for Big Mo. Six catches, 84 yards, and a pair of touchdowns. A couple short passes to Pierce gets the Colts another first down. And at this point, Indianapolis has reached Tennessee's 33-yard line. On first down, Ryan scrambles for a two-yard gain. Second down now, seven-yard pass to Campbell sets up third and less than one. The Colts, what are they going to do? Well, you got an all-pro running back in the backfield. You give him the ball when you need less than one yard. They do so. He gets near the first down marker, but has the ball stripped out of his hands. The Titans recover a disaster for Indianapolis, who is driving once again. Taylor's first fumble of the season and just the fourth lost fumble of his career. It's also the Colts' third fumble of the game, third turnover of the game, and oh yeah, just when you thought it couldn't be worse, Taylor appears to hurt his ankle on this play. Mike, Taylor had himself a tough day, maybe the worst of his career, and it was kind of um, uh, just topped off by that injury on that play there. Yeah, it goes back to like his rookie year when you tried to find a game this ineffective. And it was against Tennessee. It was early in the thir- uh, his rookie year. He was like seven carries for 12 yards against the Titans. That's back before they really established Taylor as their guy. But th- this is a, a th- this is four games now, three games in a row with a problem. He had, I think it was 161 yards in the opener. He's had 167 in the last three games. He's averaging three yards a carry. It's I, I don't believe for a second he's forgotten how to run. There's just not much room, seams, whatever you want to call it. And he's, he's still losing – he still has zero gain or negative on, on 24% of his carries. That's just you just can't survive like that. And I mentioned it last week, and and Frank mentioned it today, that they missed Jack Doyle. They just missed Jack Doyle in the run game, not on down the field. That's the receivers and the running back doing things. But it's it's at the line where Jack was so good. At coming across and taking that linebacker, taking a tackle that comes through, and giving Taylor a chance to get to the second level, which he hasn't had. He's had two 20-yard gains this year, both of them 21-yarders. I think it was at Jacksonville. So it's until they get this running game fixed, everything's going to be a struggle. You just—it's so hard to to when teams know you you can't run the ball. And, you, and you've got leaky pass protection. Ask Matt Ryan to throw the ball 37, 40 times. You're just putting him in harm's way. And, and then he's got his fumble issues. So until they get this run game fixed, this is going to be a struggle. Yeah, a team whose you know, so-called identity was to run the football and be a physical team that's going to wear you out and just get yard after yard with Taylor. That That's not been the case over the last three weeks. But in this ballgame, there's still over eight minutes to go. Colts defense needs another stop. 
Titans leaning on Henry, and they approach midfield. But on second and six, the Colts stuff Henry for a two-yard loss. Then on third and eight, the Colts were in a stunt. Quiddy Pay gets to Tannehill for the sack, and the Titans have to punt for a fourth time in a row. Defense certainly doing its job. Four minutes and 46 seconds left to play in the game. Colts are down seven, and their drive starts at their 34-yard line. Second and 10, Matt Ryan nearly slips as he steps up in the pocket, stays upright, and goes deep for Alec Pierce, who comes back for the underthrown ball and makes the catch, a gain of 44 yards in the longest play of the rookie's career. Colts now have a first and 10 at the Titans' 22-yard line. Naheem Hines in the game for the injured Taylor, and he's stuffed for no yardage on first down. Second down now, pass to Hines, loses three yards. Hines finished with just one carry and two catches on two targets for a total of three yards. A light day for the 12th highest paid running back in the NFL. Third and 13 now, Autry splits Quentin Nelson and Matt Pryor to get to Matt Ryan for a sack and an eight-yard loss. This sack now happened with about right at two minutes and 40 seconds left in the game. The Colts allow the clock to run, and Indy decides to try a 51-yard field goal with Chase McLaughlin. They don't snap the ball until two minutes and forty two minutes and four seconds left on the clock. McLaughlin's field goal is, has no chance, wide left, and the Titans take over with a minute 58 left. But the Colts still have three timeouts. But I want to go back to that. Clock management, Mike. Why on earth are the Colts allowing 40 seconds to run off the clock and just basically throwing away the clock stoppage that would have come with the two-minute warning when even if you make this field goal, you're still losing. The clock is still not on your side. You need another stop, and you're running out of time. What on earth are the coaches doing in this situation? It's a good question. Valid point. I I don't know. It's a good question about when do you save your – timeouts and you've got the two-minute warning as it turned out it didn't matter because the defense couldn't make the stop but it's, it's a good point you want to give yourself as much time if you make the field goal because and you could argue you should have gone f- for the long yardage on the conversion on fourth down because you still need a touchdown and, and maybe that's as close as you get but again w- when things aren't going well everything you do is wrong and open to criticism and that's certainly one of them it's, it's a good point Yeah, I just, even, you know, even if you don't want to call a timeout with 240 left to stop that clock and save those 40 seconds, at least get up there and try a field goal with enough time to remaining so that the play is dead uh, on the north of the two-minute warning so that even when the Titans get the ball back, that two-minute warning gives you a fourth clock stoppage with your three timeouts. Doesn't matter. Um, A first down for Tennessee ices the game. Two runs for Henry sets up third and four. Tannehill play fakes to Henry, finds his tight end wide open for a first down, and that'll do it. Final score, 24-17. to Colts have now lost four in a row to the division rival Tennessee Titans. Indianapolis was out, uh, outscored Tennessee in the second half and held them to zero points, but just the hole they dug for themselves in the first half really killed them. Uh, the Colts outgained Tennessee in yardage 365 to 243. They won time of possession, about 34 minutes to 26 minutes. 
but turnovers are going to kill you. The Colts gave the ball away three times. The Titans had zero turnovers, and that was the difference in the ballgame. Before we discuss takeaways, let's look at injuries here. Jonathan Taylor, um, kind of the biggest of them all, he is dealing with that ankle injury. Mike, what's the latest on that? Yeah, we don't know. He wasn't in the locker room. We're supposed to talk to JT tomorrow. It sounds like he might be all right to go on Thursday. Again, keep in mind, it's a quick turnaround. It's not like you've got two extra days or three extra days for Sunday. And I I asked Frank that, you know, if JT is is out certainly or or limited, might they bring up Philip Lindsay? And that's a possibility. And you think Philip Lindsay wouldn't mind going back to Denver and having a good game in front of his former team. But we'll see. I I don't know that we're going to get a a definitive answer on Taylor until Thursday, until game day. They'll have a light walkthrough tomorrow, which I'm sure he won't participate in. But uh, this is, again, you're trying to get out of this funk without some of your better players. And as we talked about, Leonard and and Tyquan Lewis have already been ruled out with concussions. That was, you you go into concussion protocol and there's, I think it's four or five steps you have to pass. And a short week makes it really, really hard to do. And Frank Reich said that that wasn't the issue. They ruled these guys out immediately because of the short, the short uh, turnaround week. Yeah, the Colts, uh, you know, certainly not the Dolphins in terms of handling head injuries. Uh, but yeah, Colts at least on Thursday are going to be without uh, Leonard, Lewis, possibly Taylor, and probably the safety, Julian Blackman as well. And speaking of safety for a second, Nick Cross played zero snaps on Sunday, played just, I believe, one snap against the Jaguars uh, rookie safety, who everyone was excited about going into the season, seems to be uh, in the doghouse. It's Rodney McLeod and the seventh-round rookie uh, Thomas, who played 100% of the snaps on Sunday. Mike, have you heard anything about that? Is this Nick Ross just not understanding coverages well enough, or what's the deal? This guy was someone who, you know, flashed in the preseason and throughout camp, and all of a sudden he's nowhere to be found. Part of that with, with Rodney Thomas, it's it's position. He He's the uh, free safety backup, so he, he's more, you know, attuned to free safety responsibilities, and Nick Cross is the strong safety. And he's sort of – I don't know whether they thought it was just too big for him early, and they've gone to McLeod, and McLeod's, McLeod's played pretty well. Uh, but as far as why Thomas over Cross, it's because of Cross being a strong safety and, and Thomas being the free safety. Gotcha. Well, um, at, at very you know least, Cross seems for the time being to have lost his starting role at safety where um, he began week one. Um, moving on to takeaways now, the Colts running game has completely vanished. Indianapolis has the six fewest rushing yards in the NFL. Uh, with 87.8 yards per game. Their 3.5 yards per carry average is six worse than the NFL. And Mike, like you mentioned, after 161 yards in week one for Taylor, he's had just 167 in the three games since and has averaged 2.7 yards per carry over the last two weeks. I, it's, there are other teams in the NFL who are bad. The Lions are bad. But they have things going for them. They can play exciting, winning football. What what drives Colts fans mad this season is just the the 
expectations that were there and the level of play where you know players are capable of being better. Jonathan Taylor, all pro running back, the highest paid offensive line in the NFL with three guys between Nelson, Kelly, and right tackle Braden Smith who are making uh, some of the highest salaries at their position in the league, and they can't find a way to run the football effectively. Uh, have you found any reason for this, or is it just as unexplicable to you as it is to the rest of us? Well, the, the, the simple answer is that they're not run-blocking well. You know, I thought the offensive line last year was up and down, inconsistent. Pass protection was very spotty. But, boy, they run-blocked. They really did. As as erratic and, and inefficient as Eric Fisher was in pass protection, pretty good run-blocker. And then you, you take out uh, – Mark Glowinski and Chris Reed, and Jack Doyle. Again, let's just remember, mention Jack Doyle. They're, they're, they're not up to standards. And I thought there were times yesterday where Taylor looked a little bit indecisive, kind of like what he did early in his rookie year where he just wasn't, wasn't quite sure which cut, which which seam he should go after. And in some, in some cases, there is no seam. Again, he, he's I, I, it's just hard to see him continually get hit by line behind the line of scrimmage. Most backs, if you just give them something, they're going to get you three or four or five yards. And too many times, he's just getting hit early. And I, I'm not saying he's getting gun shy at all. But I thought there were a couple of times he just looked indecisive. And maybe that's, we talk about the quarterback maybe getting, starting to feel pressure when maybe it's not there. Maybe the running back's not trusting his run blocking. And whether again, and it's been it's been collective. It's not been, you know, one or two guys. What's really noticeable is they're not getting push up the middle, with with whether it's Pinner or Fries and then Kelly, and Quentin Nelson. It's just not there. Remember that was it the fourth and one that he got stuffed on when he tried to dive over the top a game. Was it Kansas City maybe? And and, and the third and one here, it, it, it's just a third and less than one. He's just getting hit before he hits the line, and very few backs are good enough to overcome being hit in the backfield. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. Uh, I liked your comparison to a quarterback who gets sacked over and over again, and all of a sudden he feels a little trigger-happy out there, feels like he has to get rid of the ball faster than he should on some specific plays. I'm sure it can be similar for a running back who time and time again you're getting hit at or behind the line of scrimmage, and then even when a play does, you know, is decently blocked up you have those questions in your head and you're not hitting and following your blockers with the full confidence because they've let you down so many times before so I could definitely see that starting to become a factor um, in Jonathan Taylor's vision Um, let's move on here and talk about the quarterback because Matt Ryan is a fumbling machine he fumbled two more times on Sunday giving him a league high nine fumbles through three games He's on pace for 38 fumbles this season. That would crush the single-season record of 23 fumbles. Uh, That was set by Kerry Collins in 2001 and then tied by Dante Culpepper in 2002. Matt Ryan also threw his fifth interception of the year and was sacked three more times on Sunday. But at the same time, he led a valiant second-half comeback effort. He finished with 356 passing yards, two touchdowns on 27 of 37 passing, and had a 109.8 passer rating. 
On the year, Ryan's completed 66% of his passes for over 1,100 yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, eight turnovers when you combine interceptions and lost fumbles. Uh, he's has a 85 passer rating, and he's been sacked a whopping 15 times. And not only is he getting sacked, you know, we saw Ryan Tannehill get sacked a couple times and it was maybe for a one or two year loss. When Matt Ryan gets sacked, it is for a sizable loss. He has lost 117 yards on those 15 sacks. Mike, at this point in the season, it's it's so frustrating, I guess, is the word I keep coming back to with Ryan because you'll see him look great for stretches. I mean, during the Colts' comeback, those two touchdown drives, they looked fantastic out there. And then there's other times where he hasn't looked like a you know, 15-year veteran or whatever it is. He looks like a rookie who can't take a hit without dropping the football. Yeah, we talked about in the offseason with the Colts going with Ryan that it should be a perfect match because we all wrote about and talked about that his troubles in Atlanta the last four years were no run game, no pass protection, and a shoddy defense. Well, he should be getting all three of those here. And that's not been the case. Uh, and what's if I'm not if if I've got it right, four of his nine fumbles were on center exchanges. I think they they didn't give him a fumble yesterday on the aborted shotgun snap, but he's had five fumbles on his 15 sacks. You just, you just have to protect the ball. It's, it's that's that's his. You know, let's not complicate things. And like he said, the ball's always in his hands. So he simply has to take care of it. Very few teams. It's funny. I remember back in the day when Mike Martz was the coach of the greatest show on turf. And the Rams almost always led the league in turnovers. They didn't care because they were so potent on offense that they were going to overcome it. These guys can't. And like you said, it's frustrating because when, when protection has held up, you know, you're going to get hit because it's the NFL. But when protection is held up, the passing game's pretty good. It's good enough. They're pushing the ball down the field. They're getting, you know, he's completing 65, 67% of his passes with protection. But the mistakes are just not minor ones. They're glaring and they're costing them. Like I said, over half, nearly half of the points the opponents have scored. I think they've, the opponents have scored 87 points. Again, 42 after turnovers. That's and that's on the offense. Yeah, you know, I talked about the defense, you know, limiting the damage, but don't lay the ball out there so much. I think someone ESPN had a stat that the eight turnovers by the quarterback are the most by a Colt quarterback since 2015 in the first four games. And that was Andrew Luck. Uh, you just it's too oppressive on the offense to have your quarterback being so careless with the football. Yeah, the Colts' nine turnovers as a team are the second most in the NFL. The 15 sacks are the fourth most in the NFL. No, by the way, uh, they're averaging the fewest points per game uh, with just over 14. Pretty rough start for the offense this season. Uh, the defense, on the other hand, had played great in the second half, but is struggling to create turnovers. It's the second game this year. They've not gotten a takeaway. Uh, their three takeaways on the year is tied for second fewest in the NFL, and one of those came, came on special teams when Kansas City just muffed a punt. So it, while the defense overall has played well, they haven't been making the game-changing plays that they made last year to kind of turn games around 
And without those turnovers, the offense is asked time and time again to go the distance of the field rather than getting short fields like the Titans got 14 out of their 24 points from. Um, so uh, while the defense is playing pretty well and pretty solid, we're not seeing those big game-changing plays, and I'm sure Darius or Shaquille Leonard's absence um, has a lot to do with that. We talked about that in the offseason as well, that the defense w- was statistically pretty strong last year, but in large part because of the 33 takeaways. Th- 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 those are just game-changing, drive-stopping plays, obviously, and the the two takeaways by the defense this year, if I'm not mistaken, it's EJ Speed's sack fumble of uh, Mills in Houston, and then uh, the, the the tipped ball to McLeod on the last play, the interception against Kansas City. That's it. That's it. And it, this defense is not. Few defenses are good enough to where you're just you're just waiting for the other team to mess up or whatever, or or you're going to stop third and four. So it's 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 what's what it, what it points out is this is a collective effort. It normally is when you win. That's what Frank pointed to in the KC win, and and, and Sunday was was a collective effort. I mean, offense too many turnovers, defense giving up twenty four in the first half, and then McLaughlin missing a fifty one yard field goal, and then Hawk shanked that one, a nineteen yard kick to the twenty yard line when you should have been able to pin him back. So. It's everybody, and you know if you start pointing fingers, you need both hands because there's that much going wrong. And so many times you think, well, you know, things aren't going well, but they've got they've shown this that maybe they can hang their head on. I don't see what you say. You know, I can see them coming out of this because of, and I don't know what the follows because of. Yeah, when there's that much going wrong. Fingers are going to get pointed at leadership, at the coaching staff, at the GM who put the team together. Um, I'm not sure if you heard them out there, Mike, but I saw reports that there were chants at Lucas Oil Stadium, fire Ballard, fired Reich. How long do you think their leash is? I mean, I certainly don't think they'll be fired, you know, anytime within the next month or so. But if the team doesn't turn these things around this season and continues to look how they've looked for the rest of the year, I mean, you have to imagine it's going to be difficult for Jim Mersey to keep the same players at coaching spots and front office spots going into next year. Yeah, I, I just I, – it would have to – boy, I hate to say this as a Colts fan base. It would have to get much worse for Ursay to do something during the season. And if it's something during the season, it's not the GM, it'll be the coach. And he will have to have totally lost – in Ursay's mind, totally lost the team where they just aren't playing. They're just not, there's no direction. There's nothing. I don't see that, although having said that, Frank's offense is the one that's really not doing what it needs to do with, with the bad. They've got one touchdown in the first quarter this year, and it was, it was after the muff punt at the four-yard line. So, I, But I just, I just don't see that happening during the season. Now, a position coach or two, you know, it, that would be one where the owner's saying, see, we, we, we hear you, and we're making changes. Now, unless there's a big turnaround again, at the end of the season, there's going to be some serious dialogue on if this team is headed in the right direction with this with this leadership. It certainly is. And while they've played so bad to start the year, 
you look at the games they've played in that, you know, a, a tie week one, come back from down 17 to tie. Obviously, week two, you can just throw in the garbage a 24 nothing loss. Somehow they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who are, you know, one of the top teams to be Super Bowl favorites this year. And then they lose by just one touchdown to Tennessee. So it's not like they're getting completely blown out every week. It's just watching this team beat themselves. But, but, it's but really again, just but again they, they've been down at least 17 in each of the three division games. And that just speaks volumes. What they're 0-2-1 in the division. And we've got the AFC South roundup coming up. They're 0-2-1 in the division. And this team has never made the playoffs with a losing record in the division. One time they made the playoffs going three and three in the division. And that was in 2006, which ended up pretty well, but it starts in the division. The thing about, we were sort of joking, but it's not a joke. It's the truth. They're going to be in this. Everybody's going to be in this except maybe Houston because the AFC South is so mediocre to bad that you really have to play poorly for an extended time to take yourself out. Or they, uh, the tie throws me off. Are they, are they half a game out of first? What, 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 how, did, how does that compute? Game I think it would be half? one and a half, one and okay. a half game. Okay, but, but they're right there. It's not like that they're you know, about to be eliminated. But doggone, at, you, you, I was going to say at some point, no, now quit scoreboard watching. I wrote about that in, in my story for the game. You know, you can hear people say, well, you know, at least Jacksonville lost and at least Houston lost. You know, and and, somebody, and Carson Wentz is struggling. Quit. Your team has to start playing well so that all of that matters. And, and until they find a way to get out of this. And, again, if you want to be the, the, the glass half full guy, it's still there. I know and the one of the worst things Frank can say is what he has to say is our goals are still in front of us. Well, that's because you're in the AFC South. And, you know, Denver's not playing very well. You know, they've got issues, and they lost their running back. And, and then you've got Jacksonville and, and Tennessee again. So, yes, it's right there, but only if you clean up all of this. Yeah, go ahead and let's let's dig into the AFC South. Jacksonville still atop the division at 2-2 two and two, despite a 29-21 loss to the undefeated Eagles in the rain. Philadelphia held the Jags to just 219 total yards. Trevor Lawrence struggled in this one. He was 11 of 23 for 174 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and he was sacked four times. He fumbled on each one of those sacks and lost Lost all four of them. Lost all four of them. So five turnovers for Lawrence for the day. Uh, Matt Ryan's not the only one who had struggles hanging on to the football Titans now, second place in the division after two straight wins, puts them at two and two. Colts are in third place at one, two, and one. And the Texans remain in last place at 0, 3, and one after a 34 to 24 loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. Second year quarterback Davis Mills had a pair of touchdowns and a pair of interceptions in this one, sacked four times, was Mills. The running back, rookie running back Damian Pierce, looks like he's going to be. A force to be reckoned with broke off a 75-yard touchdown run, finished with 131 yards on 14 carries. But Houston just couldn't stop Justin Herbert, who passed for 340 yards, two touchdowns. Austin Eckler had three touchdowns in that contest. So congratulations if you had Eckler in fantasy. Um, But this division, 
as you just broke down, Mike, it's everything's still within reach. The Colts just have to stop making the mistakes that have held them back in football games. They'll have a chance to do that on Thursday, Thursday night football. We will break down and preview that matchup on Wednesday this week. Um, So be sure to be on the lookout for that episode. Please subscribe so that episodes um, directly go to your listening device as soon as they're ready. Download for us. That's what uh, my bosses love to see is those downloads. And again, join us on Wednesday. Until Wednesday, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel 51 You can also follow me at Roto Street Joe. Thanks for sticking with us, Colts fans, and we will speak to you next time. 